Eight of the top 10 ranked teams fell to unranked opponents this week with a pair of Wildcats in Kentucky and Arizona joining the lost party. Nobody is safe. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five times per week national college hoop show, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Isaac, it has been an insane, insane week of college basketball. It started on Tuesday with Purdue and Houston, both losing the top two teams in the country, losing the unranked teams. It was the eighth time that had ever happened in the same day. The next day we saw Kansas and Tennessee fall. And then as we got into the weekend, Kentucky falls, Arizona falls, Illinois falls. We'll talk about those games, but ultimately the end result of this carnage of college basketball top 25 teams was this 14 of the top 25 teams in college basketball, according to the AP poll, lost to unranked opponents. They didn't just lose. They lost to unranked opponents. That was, let me take a deep breath, numbers 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 17, 19, 21, 23, 25. Every one of those teams lost to an unranked team this week. The only two teams in the top 11 who did not lose were the Huskies of UConn and the Tar Heels of North Carolina. We thought that maybe things would slow down this weekend after a chaotic week uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday in particular. They instead did not. Uh, We'll start here talking about Arizona and Kentucky. We'll get into some of the Big 12 madness with Houston and Oklahoma both losing a pair of games. We'll talk about Illinois losing to Maryland and a few other funny results from the weekend as well. But Isaac, let's start with Arizona and Kentucky. Because these two teams both had opportunities to potentially move into the top five of the AP poll. I don't know for sure if either of them would have had they secured victories over Texas A&M and Washington State, respectively, but they did not. Kentucky falls in overtime to A&M. It was a very chaotic, very high-scoring matchup, a really fun one between those Until two. overtime. <laughs> yeah. Really, really fun game. Uh, Arizona falls to Washington State. It's kind of the second mystifying loss for them in conference play after they lost to Stanford. This one was only by three points, at least, compared to the 18-point loss they took to the Cardinal. But uh, these two teams had opportunities, it feels like. And top five rankings, I'm not sure that it's, like, the most important thing in the world. Like, they're not kicking themselves for that specifically. But it was an opportunity to move up to kind of put themselves into that number one seed conversation, top five conversation. And, and both teams failed to do so. What stood out to you about about these losses for these teams? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think the Kentucky one is more understandable, I think, um, just because it's at Texas A&M, as you said. And I know that Texas A&M is not done what we all thought they would do this season. Mm -hmm. But this was the good version of Wade Taylor the fourth in this game. I should say the phenomenal version Mm -hmm. of Wade Taylor the fourth. Tyrese Radford had a great game as well for Texas A&M. And um, for Kentucky, it, it was a very good close back and forth game. Mm-hmm. Man, I thought Rob Dillingham was going to single handedly like spur them to victory. He comes in off the bench 
Kentucky's down three straight possessions, three straight threes, Andy. I was going bonkers in my kitchen because I was laughing at the absurdity. But here's the freshman experience. A couple possessions later, that same guy winds up what should have been Kentucky just holding for the last shot. Mm -hmm. For some reason, decides to try to move the ball around a little bit, gets it to DJ Wagner. Kentucky, Mm -hmm. um, you know, has a turnover, and Mm -hmm. then they have another chance to score and get it to overtime. Mm -hmm. And you and I were talking about this. We don't know if Coach Cal drew it up this way Mm -hmm. or if Billingham was just being a freshman, but he chucks up a three. They're down two, and there's still four seconds left on the clock. Thankfully for the Cats, Reed Shepard is Mm -hmm. an absolute dude, and he gets the offensive rebound calmly and perfectly sinks two free throws. Uh, and Texas A&M still almost hit a buzzer beater to win in regulation. But then, Andy, for as wild and high scoring as the regulation was, Kentucky only gets three points in all of overtime and it mm-hmm. nothing until Reed Shepard got a free throw with like 30-something seconds left. Yeah. And I just think, you know, we've talked about the maturity of Kentucky's freshmen, but – they are still freshmen. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some of these moments. Yeah, and I mean, the, the big issue for me is, is the, the size for Kentucky. Trey Mitchell had a quality game. He played well. Again, Onyenso had double-digit rebounds coming off the bench, which was much needed. But Aaron Bradshaw, in particular, you talk about freshmen who, who you know, aren't always going to make a contribution yeah. in every game. I mean, he, had, he, he played six minutes. He had four fouls in six minutes, did not score. And and that was a huge factor for Kentucky was not getting anything out of their starting power forward. And, and I think they got out-rebounded in this game only by eight. So it wasn't a huge rebounding advantage, but uh, it was a factor for them to not be able to, to crash the glass as effectively as they wanted to. Uh, Bradshaw didn't have any impact on this game. The team as a whole shot under 62% from the free throw line. Like those are the kind of things that you need to be able to do to get wins. Now for Kentucky, I'm not overly concerned about this yep. For them long term, yep. uh, Wilmington loss is certainly the more problematic thing on their current resume. But uh, in terms of like it impacting their ability to get in the top five, again, I, I, I I'm confident Coach Cal doesn't care about that. I doubt it really matters to Kentucky. It does matter a bit for the SEC standings. Uh, Tennessee nearly lost their game cool. against Georgia. That should was, have probably should, should have. have. They were down 11 in that game. Uh, I thought Georgia was going to pull off a victory. I thought Tennessee was going to take their second loss of the week. They managed to secure a victory. Meanwhile, sure. Auburn, who is now a very strong contender at the top of the SEC, they absolutely blew out LSU, crushed them in the first half, and basically just coasted in the second half to a nice win. LSU is not great necessarily, but that's still a big win for Auburn. So for Kentucky, I'm a little bit more concerned about their ability to stay at the top of the SEC. But overall, a loss to A&M on the road is not something that, that really concerns me too much for them. Exactly, which is why I said that game doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Arizona losing at Wazoo. And look, Washington State has been fine. They're okay. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. But Arizona, if they are going to be the team that we think they can and should be, mm-hmm. they cannot lose a game like this, Andy. And yeah. like, you know, I, I know we we talk about that freshman experience. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the Caleb Love experience. Mm-hmm. 28 points. Eight boards, three assists, only two turnovers. You love to see it. But it took him 25 shots to get there, Andy. Mm -hmm. Five of 13 from three. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, at least he's out there taking the shots and getting some kind of statistical production, Andy. Anybody else for the Wildcats you noticed (laughs) that maybe had zero statistical production? Yeah, I so I saw this uh, on Reddit, so I'm not going to take credit for calling it a cardio game, but Keelan Boswell for, for Arizona had what, again, was called a cardio game because he played 25 minutes, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, 
and zero blocks, basically just running up and down the floor for 25 minutes. He was only 0 of 5 from the field, too. So he's not taking a lot of shot attempts. He wasn't distributing the basketball. He, he, he wasn't doing anything. He was just up he and did, down the He floor. did have one, one thing. A turnover? One turnover. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and part of that is playing with Caleb Love. That's part of the experience, as you kind of alluded to. But Boswell has had some inconsistencies throughout the year. And, and obviously, Arizona has a quality backup guard in Jaden Bradley. And he played 27 minutes in this game. So it's not like Tommy Lloyd was, was unafraid to play him. But you got to start to figure out how this lineup's going to shake out if you have somebody who's who's not contributing the way that he wasn't and and even Umar Balo in this game I mean he had 11 and 14 which looks fine in the box score but he shot four of 11 from the field he was three of seven from the free throw line like they're they have a really really good starting five when all five of these players are playing well but there is some inconsistency issues with Boswell with Balo obviously with love that's kind of part of the experience Pella Larson wasn't great in this game either and and those inconsistencies do make me worried about this team they're three and two in the Pac-12 I don't I'm not really worried about their overall standing in the Pac-12 Oregon's five and oh certainly you don't want to see that gap continue to widen but Arizona is still a better team than Oregon in my mind and I think that will eventually bear itself out in the standings but it's hard to not be a little bit concerned about Arizona right now I mean these losses to Stanford and Wazoo are not good they're road losses they seem to struggle in that environment and Tommy Lloyd's got to figure out a way to get some more consistency from his starters or maybe uh, switch things up a little bit and give some more minutes to some of those guys coming off the bench because uh, these two losses stand out pretty significantly especially when you compare them to the other top 10 teams in the country that's right I was pleased to see the 15 bench points from Arizona Mm -hmm. and all three guys that played scoring at least something you know I know we've looked at Arizona's bench before the season have been like y'all ain't getting nothing out of that so um that is encouraging to me andy between uh these two sets of cats that you talked about overall which one do you think is in better shape right now like long term like like just overall i'd say probably kentucky they have a much harder schedule obviously the sec is better than the pac-12 this year there's not any debate about that the sec is much deeper but i think kentucky's a better team i think freshmen tend to develop throughout the year I, this team's guard depth is is so good that i think that they're going to end up being fine i think you know i'm, I'm a little worried about justin edwards at, at this point it's hard not to be aaron bradshaw certainly uh, but the the guard play we've seen from this team is so good whereas with arizona i think they're they're really good but I just these two losses really stand out to me. And I think that there's some concern about their ability to be ready for March, especially without playing a lot of great teams in the Pac-12. So I think I think Kentucky's in a bit of a better spot. But both these teams are still not in bad spots after these losses. They're just not in as good a spots as they could have been. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, talking about bad losses, how much that Wilmington loss mm-hmm. hurts Kentucky from a resume standpoint going forward. Andy. Let's shift to the back to the good grief, the big 12 mess where Houston and Oklahoma both lost two conference games this week. Cause for concern for these two top 10 programs or just a product of playing in the toughest league in America. We'll discuss. But first, the NFL playoffs just kicked off and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Heck, you could still get in on the Bills and Steelers action because they postponed that bad boy. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win 
or lose. The app is really easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like same-game parlays. They've got the new Explore tab, which can help you find bets. Or Andy, how about the final four odds, which are kind of grouping all together now. It's interesting to look at after a wild week. Purdue still leads the way at plus 170, but UConn, Houston, Arizona, all tied for the second best odds at plus 250, and then Auburn and North Carolina right behind at plus 390. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Andy. The Big 12. We love talking about this conference because it's so bonkers absurd all the time and we're finally getting to that where we're just like every saturday is just a war of straight attrition what's interesting is that now you know we we've kind of seen houston kansas and oklahoma be the top three teams from like a a rankings Mm -hmm. perspective houston has now dropped two in a row at iowa state Okay, we had wondered about the Cyclones. They've proven to be legit. But then at TCU on Saturday. But those games were only by four points and by one points. Yes, I did not do subject-verb agreement properly there. Um, right? Like, and, and Andy, ultimately, this is not all that wild to think about because as good as Houston is, road wins in any conference are hard to come by, but particularly in Big 12 play. Um, so, Andy, let, let's start there with the Cougars. What what um, do you see that contributed to these back-to-back losses this week? Yeah, Houston, it's, it's just a, an inconsistent offense. They're a team that, because they play kind of – possession style basketball. They're great defensively. It's very unlikely to see them get blown out. I just don't think that's going to happen much. So them having a one possession loss to TCU, a two possession loss uh, to Iowa State, that doesn't really surprise me. I think they're going to keep themselves in the majority of games just because they have that length, that good coaching defensively. Like they're just set up to be to, to do well on that end of the floor, but they don't have quite the offensive playmakers, shot makers, bucket getters that they've had in the past. They don't have a Marcus Sasser. They don't have a Jairus Walker, who's just a, an athletic freak who can go get points when you need him to. And they brought in LJ Cryer. LJ Cryer was great in the non-conference. He's been great at times in conference play, but it, he did not do well in either of these two games. He was a combined four of 23 from the field. He was a combined two of 13 from three in these two contests against Iowa State and TCU, who are both very good defensive teams. It's not like Houston struggling offensively was only on their end. It was, uh, you know, hats off to both the Cyclones and the Horn Frogs for, for playing good defense and finding ways to slow this team down. But between Cryer shooting two of 13 from three, Jamal Shedd was two of 11 from three, this team's outside shooting just wasn't there. And when you're a team that needs to be hyper-efficient offensively in order to win games because you're not going to have as many possessions. You know, Arizona can have a Caleb Love who takes 25 shots a game because they get a whole bunch of possessions every single game because of their style. That doesn't work at Houston. And when these guys aren't shooting threes well, it's significantly, it's a problem for them. And that's what we saw in these two games. Like you said, 
I'm not overly worried about Houston. I don't think that this is some like big gotcha moment of like, oh, they're not ready for the Big 12. Like they lost two close games to good teams. Would you have wanted to get one of them at least? Sure, of course. Uh, are they still going to be in the top five? No. Are they going to be in the top 10? I'm not sure. I haven't made my rankings yet. But <laughs> if every other team around them didn't lose, they probably wouldn't be. But at this point, we'll see. But this is the kind of, this is a growing experience for this team. I think it's going to help them down the line. It's going to help them as they get into the NCAA tournament. But at the end of the day, the things we knew were issues with this team are causing them to lose that's games right. and, and that's not going to change unless they can find a way to to actively make that happen yeah and you know with houston to your point about not being too concerned they're still number one in the net they're still number mm -hmm. one at ken palm but when you break down kind of the net stuff mm -hmm. they're four and two in quad one mm -hmm. and eight no in quad four lots on the polar yeah. opposites literally zero quad two results andy mm, and two and oh in quad three so literally the the middle of their uh resume is just devoid of anything yeah um, which is really interesting to me and so we'll have to see what goes on with that and you know we, ju we just got to keep waiting on uh, on this uh resume to keep unfolding they do have texas tech at home this week on wednesday and ucf at home on saturday um, obviously, Texas Tech is the more difficult mm -hmm. of those two games, although they should win both this week. We'll have to see. Andy, let's move along in the Big 12 where Kansas mm -hmm. takes care of Oklahoma quite well. Thank you very much. 78 to 66. Mm -hmm. Honestly, a great response by the Jayhawks after losing, speaking of UCF, yeah. uh, down there. Um, Jayhawk, close game at halftime. Jayhawks are up one, pull away late. Another big time game from Hunter Dickinson, man. 24 and 14, five blocks to go along with it. But Andy, I think the, the key talking point for us, and I know we're talking more Oklahoma here because of the Houston and Oklahoma, but I think this has been such a big talking point for you and I, is the shooting guard position for Kansas, wherein you noticed mm -hmm. that Bill Self replaced El Marco Jackson with Johnny Furphy from Down Under. That's a terrible Australian accent, Andy. I beg of you to never let me do that again. Uh, Johnny Furphy replaces El Marco Jackson in the starting lineup. I'm not sure if I can stop you from doing that again. I'll try, but <laughs> no, you have to get inside my head and know what's about to happen and don't let it. This was a, yeah, this was a, a much needed change, I think, for Kansas. And, and look, they, they, Furphy played 19 minutes, Jackson played 18. So it's not like there was this huge spread in playing time. Uh, but it was, uh, I think, a, a transition that needed to be made just because of the way Jackson has, has not really been contributing to this team lately. Furphy had seven points, three boards in this game. Jackson had two points on one of one shooting. Just wasn't much of a factor. Once again, I think the announcers noted when Jackson did score, it was like in the middle of the second half. And I believe it was his first point since they played Wichita State, which was like two or three games ago. Like this can't, I mean, they just weren't getting anything offensively out of Jackson. They've gotten nothing out of Nick Timberlake, the transfer from Towson who we kind of expected to, to have a much bigger role for this team. And then Furphy is, has been the biggest performer out of this group and seeing him step into the starting lineup, I think is, is hopefully a sign of, of positive things to come for Bill Self's squad. But like you said, with Oklahoma, I mean, they, they've 13 and one start to the season. Everybody was excited. Porter Moser was, was kind of riding high. This team looked great, but we're not shocked that they're not winning every game in the big 12. The big 12 is really, really hard. Their losses are at TCU and at Kansas. I don't really have an issue with either of those losses. I think we know that TCU is, you know, part of both of these conversations with Houston and uh, Oklahoma. Perhaps later in the week we can do more about TCU specifically since they're involved in all these games, but not <laughs> getting their own talking point here. But for Oklahoma, like 
two tough games, two tough teams, two tough losses. It doesn't really concern me long term. I think there was not a super high likelihood they were going to remain a top 10 team when they kind of snuck into that conversation. But this these losses don't make me feel like, you know, they're going to drop 10 or 15 spots again with everybody around them losing. Most teams are not going to drop as much as, as people might think they will. But this this to me doesn't say all that much good or bad about Oklahoma. It's just kind of what I what I would have expected to happen almost. Yeah, I think Oklahoma, the good news for them is they did everything they needed to in non-con play to set themselves mm-hmm. up to just like you go nine and nine in Big 12 play and you're good. You know, like yeah. their lone non-con loss being the North Carolina in Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, come on, you can take that. Andy, we got to quickly talk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a neutral site game. Okay. Um, <laughs> elsewhere in the Big 12, Andy Baylor moves to three and O with a 62 59 win over Cincinnati Uh, Baylor, by the way, Andy, the number one team in the nation in three point percentage right now, that's in the entirety of D one Texas loses to Virginia, West Virginia, Virginia. excuse me. Uh, No, Virginia did not win Isaac. Andy, I swear to you on the love of everything. Holy. If Texas is in the AP top 25 today, when it comes out Monday, I am going to lose my freaking mind. AP <laughs> voters do this right for once in your lives. Um, there's that. Now, BYU, congrats, finally gets that first Big 12 win after a great start to the season. I know it's over UCF, but hey, let's not be smirch UCF after what they did to Kansas earlier this week. Yeah, uh, quickly on the Texas thing. West Virginia is probably the second worst loss you can take in the Big 12. Uh, now it was I know Oklahoma Morgantown. State, would you say yeah. the other? Yeah. Oklahoma State's probably the other one. It was in Morgantown. It's a hard place to win, but yeah, yeah. for Texas. Max Aismith looked great. Dylan DeSue looked great. The rest of the team didn't show up for this one. Uh, I, I have a hard time seeing them being a Yeah, it was two on five. It was the wildest thing. <laughs> I, the fact that they kept it close against West Virginia, two and five, pretty impressive. Uh, no, Texas, uh, we'll see if they can rebound from this. But yeah, they shouldn't be anywhere near the top 25. Hopefully the voters will agree. Uh, Isaac, Illinois took a bad loss at home against Maryland, Maryland, excuse me, on Sunday afternoon. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss that and a handful of other results from the weekend in our weekly six pack. But first. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we talk for a minute about preparing for when those real-life events happen? Because according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. And I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I loved was getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, there's Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This could happen to any one of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. All right, Isaac, it is Monday. It is a six-pack, and it is crazy that we're talking about multiple unranked teams losing, or excuse me, multiple top-ranked teams losing to unranked teams in a six-pack, but that is how often it happened over the last couple of days. We'll start 
with Maryland beating Illinois, taking down the 10th-ranked Illini, 76-67. Again, this game was at Illinois. And look, Illinois has held up without Terrence Shannon Jr. up to this point. They've managed to kind of survive. They lost just to Purdue just by five. But you kind of knew it was going to catch up to them eventually. TSJ was just too much of their offense, too much of the focal point for this program. Meanwhile, uh, they they finally suffer that loss that we kind of thought was coming. I wasn't expecting it against Maryland necessarily. (laughs) This is not a team that has had some preseason expectations, some hype. They got some talented guys, Jameer Young and Julian Reese. Uh, We knew those were the two best players on this team, and they absolutely looked like it. They had 48 of Maryland 76 points on Sunday, but uh, enough to finally take down the Illini. We'll see what how they can respond from this, what they can kind of do, because I still think even without Shannon, they're probably still a top five, maybe top four team in the Big Ten. But, you know, whether Wisconsin can kind of stay at the top, of course, Purdue's going to be in that conversation. But this is the kind of game the Illini needed to escape and not lose, and they were unable to do so. Hats off to the Terrapins for taking off a big victory here. Andy Creighton survives beating St. John 66 to 65. Trey Alexander sinks two free throws with 10 seconds left to secure this victory. And I don't mind saying that Coach Patino was big mad after this thing was all said and done. St. John's, and understandably so, because the Johnnies were up nine with nine and a half left. But Creighton uses a balanced scoring attack. All eight, or excuse me, all eight starters, Andy. Uh, no, <laughs> all five starters had eight or more points in this thing. And we had a double-double, but no siree. It was not Mr. Ryan Kalkbrenner. It's uh, Baylor Shireman. Mm-hmm comes home with 17 points and 12 rebounds. Great for the Blue Jays to keep pace in Big East play. By the way, this evens their conference record with St. John's. They are 4-2. and two. Uh, Both teams then behind Villanova at 4-1. and one. UConn at 5-1 and one after their Sunday victory. And Seton Hall also at 5-1. and one. Andy, good stuff in the Big East. Moving over to the ACC, Wake Forest absolutely crushed Virginia. We made a joke about Virginia earlier. They got beat by 19 points. Hunter Salas, 21 points, nine rebounds for Wake Forest. He has continued to be a menace for this team, looking like another ACC Player of the Year candidate. Steve Forbes loves getting his transfer guards and bringing them in and having this kind of success for Virginia. Again, a team that when they when they lose, they lose badly. This has happened to them multiple times. They have five losses. One of them is neutral. Four of them are on the road. The margins of victories for the opposing teams in these losses for Virginia, 24, 23, 22, 16, and 19. My goodness, Tony Bennett's team has been getting worked in a handful of their games. They're 9-0 at home, taking care of business when they need to at home, but they're 0-4 on the road. And this is a team that's that's further and further away from being in that NCAA tournament conversation. Meanwhile, Wake Forest is now four and one second in the ACC at a tie with a handful of kind of unique teams. Duke, you'd expect to be there. NC State. Okay. That's not surprising. Florida State also in the conversation. Uh, not exactly who you'd expect, but <laughs> Wake Forest putting themselves in a position to be a, a quality at large team with the way they've been playing as of late. Andy, let's move to the Pac-12 where Colorado beats USC 68-58 to in a battle of two teams who are not doing this season what we wanted them to do, albeit for Colorado a lot of it has been injury concerns mm-hmm. of late. Andy, we haven't talked about Isaiah Collier being out for USC. It's four to six weeks. Have we seen the last of him in a Trojan yeah. uniform? I don't know, and I hope not. Uh, mm-hmm. Colorado was down in this game 37 to 24 at the half. Andy, that is 
kind of hard to believe here, but true. Um, comes back and outscores USC 44-21 in the second half. This is the second game for Colorado, having both Cody Williams and Tristan De Silva back. But despite that, they had lost at Cal midweek, so kind of trying to figure out who they are again. But here we go. Uh, we just talked about some nice balanced scoring a second ago. Well, we get that for Colorado as well. Uh, the starters getting 9, 12, 12, 13, and 15. But Andy, here's what's interesting. Leading the way was not Cody Williams, not Tristan De Silva or Eddie Lampkin or KJ Simpson, but Javon Hadley. Great stuff from Colorado. If he can keep doing that, that's a great starting five for Tad Boyle's team. Moving over to the Mountain West to close out the show with a pair of games from one of the more exciting conferences in college basketball, New Mexico. The pit is a tough, tough place to play, and San Diego State found that out the hard way. <laughs> they got destroyed by New Mexico, 88-70, to 70, a huge win for the Lobos, who'd kind of been – there's the top five in the Mountain West, and they had been kind of the distant fifth team, and now they've kind of pushed themselves back further into that conversation with an 18-point win here. And look, here's the deal. San Diego State was up 12 with five minutes left in the first half. They were up 35 to 23. New Mexico went on a 17 and two run to close the oh. half. But for the rest of the game, at that point when it was 35 23, New Mexico outscored them by 30 in the final 25 minutes, 65 to 35. Really <laughs> nice game from the Lobos. It'll be interesting to see if these, these teams playing each other is going to help or hurt uh, how they get perceived when we get into the Selection Sunday conversation. I think there's still five teams in this, com in this conference that deserve to be in that conversation. But if they keep beating each other up, it'll be interesting to see if that hurts or helps them uh, when that selection committee uh, takes a look at them in March. Woof, Andy, sticking in the Mountain West Conference, Utah State gets an improbable victory over UNLV 87 to 86. Now, I don't say that in a vacuum because, you know, just all things considered, of course, Utah State should right. be UNLV. Improbable because of the situation in which it happened. But first, 15 straight wins for the Aggies. They're now 16 and one on the year, Andy. Great stuff. But here's why the improbability. Utah State is down 86 to 82, and I think there was it like 14 seconds left yeah. at this point. Uh, they get a basically a five-point play to win mm -hmm. the game. How does that happen, you ask? Let me tell you. UN, uh, they make a three while UNLV gets called for a foul in the rebounding action, mm -hmm. jockeying for position under the basket. The call's controversial, fine, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of maybe looked like the Utah State player caused the contact, but mm -hmm. a foul's called make the free throws, ball game. They get out of town, 87-86. So Utah State, you talk about how wild the Mountain West is. They're now 4-0 with Boise State just behind them at 3-0. Andy, going to be really interesting to see how this conference continues to play out. All right, folks, a great Monday of college basketball. Uh, as we record this, we have not yet seen the new AP poll. We haven't yet done our own rankings. So, Andy, I'm super excited to catch yeah. up on all of that tomorrow because this is going to be bonkers. I'm telling you that right now. And there's a handful of teams that we're really interested to talk about. They're doing good work in their conference games right now, thinking about Oregon being undefeated and the Alabama being undefeated. So yeah. we're going to have to treat some of that as well. Folks, we want to thank you so much for joining us, getting back into the action today. If you're not part of our Discord yet, the link for that's in the show notes. We'd love to have you come chat college basketball with us all week long. If you would, vote for us on the Sports Podcast Awards, where we are up for Best Basketball Podcast. The link for that is also in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe 
rate and review. And we'd love to hear your comments. Smash the like button if you're watching on YouTube. As always, apologies to the lawyer family. Let's go Wildcats, even though they both lost <laughs> yesterday on Saturday. And until tomorrow, peace.